Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today's show, we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. And I almost have that memorized, but not quite. That's pretty good. I'm getting closer. Yeah. I, I was listening. Now she, she's almost got it memorized. But when she panicked when she, her paper was... Where's my paper? She forgot her paper and she panicked. Yes. Okay, but she's here. I'm here and you are, and it's good to be back. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here today. And uh, I guess this is a little different today. Um, we've done, we always do research as well as... We do prepare. We do prepare. We do want to bring something of real value. And that's in in addition to our life experience. And uh, so it's it's an awful lot. But I made a discovery. Uh, Eureka. <laughs> yeah, I made a discovery. And you know what the discovery was? That I have a lot of experience. <laughs> For 49 years, years, I'm picking up my paper again. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I do. And I've been... Forgive me, but uh, and not everyone knows this, but I think in my pro- prog- progression through my profession and my years of work and now coming to the place I am in my life, I think that I've been a little too dismissive of what I'm bringing to the table for caregivers especially and for those that need to understand how to develop resilience and strength through difficulties. And... Uh, we have so we have a number of training programs that we have done um, that are. I know this kind of stuff. They're really excellent. Now that <laughs> might sound boy, is he being egotistical? I promise you, it's not being said that it's being. It's a rediscovery of why didn't we start keep doing this? Because we've developed some excellent training protocols, and uh, we've presented them. We've used them. We trained, uh, geez, at one point, 18 medical centers in the VA system back east Yes. for all their combat crisis teams, their caregivers, for a year. Almost 10 years ago now. Is it almost 10 years? Almost. It's nine years ago right now that we were starting to work with them. I'll tell you, it goes by so fast. It does. And once we finish it, instead of promoting it and marketing it, we put it away because there's so many other challenges before us that we got to we got to deal with what's in front of us so the beauty of what's happened this weekend especially is that i went back into some of our old programs and protocols which i think we should put out and market they are so excellent and what did i see in there boy peter you have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. and you've written a book you've written a lot of papers um this this particular program that we have and and uh protocol that we use for caregivers it's got a lot of great information in it that we put together based on my professional experience and it's information that we're not seeing anywhere else absolutely not and it's certainly not put together the way we put it together no but i want to move it forward because i don't think that i had the depth of empathy and personal experience that i had now 
I much, did write this. Much has changed in the a last lot's nine changed. years. Yeah. There's been, I've been through a lot. I'm going through a lot now with my wife and, and my mother and other helping other caregivers and other families. So the work is more, in my mind, more serious, more uh, down-to-earth, relevant. And um, we want to reach out to people that are really struggling with real-life very, very difficult situations. Um, and so in doing so, I think I left behind and dismissed some of my professional experience that really is good stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that we've been looking at caregivers a lot, uh, myself included, but lots of caregivers come to us for help, uh, and we've, we do a pretty good job with them. But I think that we have talked about it in general terms, um, but we have very specific programs to help caregivers pull themselves together. If they need something that's a little more step-by-step, this has some of that in it as well. Absolutely. And we did have a lady, uh, one of the uh, lovely ladies that comes to us who is a caregiver for her husband, uh, who also lost all her, her ranch and everything in the, in the fires. Um, and she was saying, she listened to it, but she wanted a step-by-step support system for herself. I, I listened to the podcast. I thought we gave her a lot of information, but then I realized she's a person that needs our protocols, just like we've laid it out here. And that is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. In fact, when people are in certain stages of dealing with adversity and difficulty, they don't want to hear the big, the, the profound, introspective kind of perspective they want give me what do i do next and what's they want to know step by step what to do to combat what they're going through that's a totally legitimate it is and then at some point they will benefit from the bigger picture oh absolutely but when they're overwhelmed and they're uh, exhausted and emotionally burdened sometimes they just need tell me this next thing to do absolutely and it's and it's it's so it can be so overwhelming let's be honest yeah when the emotions are running really high or the difficulties that they're facing are so much more intensified it's understandable Mm -hmm. it's not hard to get but uh i think i don't want to overlook it i want to go back and i want to introduce some of the things that we train people in and with and i want to introduce them right here on the air so you get a taste of some of the programs that we've developed over the years. Uh, we're doing it for Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, the nonprofit. We do it. We developed it for the Bernstein Institute for Trauma, which is a, a, not a nonprofit, um, where we do... We first offered it to the Vision 3 uh, combat crisis treatment teams back east, and that's what we were talking about that's nine right. years ago. And that was in New York, New Jersey, and, and Long uh, Island. Yeah, and we also it was also part of our training for, we did some training for uh, massage therapists. And body workers. And body workers. Right. And then we also made it part of um, some support work we did for uh, people involved with a physical therapy clinic. That's that's right. You see, we've done so much that that's what I mean. I it goes by, yeah. and then I can't remember it. And yet, I when I really rediscovered, I got my God, it's more relevant now mm-hmm. than even before. All we have to do is tweak it and update it a little bit. There's and, some very and, universal principles. Here. Yes, and that's what we want to introduce today. Yeah, um, and specifically for caregivers. Um, caregivers are on our heart. I'm a caregiver. Jenny's a caregiver. 
uh, so many people that work for us, our caregivers. Mm-hmm. And the needs are large, yeah, looming large. One of the things is as a professional, for years as a as a professional caregiver, well, I put a lot of a plot a lot of work and time into my own growth and self awareness, uh, healing, and it's just part of the territory. So to me, that's been just a part of life, and it's helped me enormously in my current challenges. Although it doesn't it doesn't take the challenges away, it keeps me resilient. It keeps me it keeps me going pretty well. Um, but what I'm finding is in dealing with other caregivers, uh, family loved family caregivers uh, who are taking care of their loved ones, or the more professional uh, caregivers who are brought in to help, you know what I'm discovering? They don't know how to take care of themselves. And are they in for trouble? They're in for trouble because they don't know much about self-care. And they don't understand what they are involved with really and the price they're paying until it's too late yes so um now i know that the the emphasis on self-care i know that there's organizations that do emphasize it uh and they're right on the button as far as details and as far as uh things to offer we offer much more but i'll tell you what they're right to be a resilient caregiver under the difficulty and adversity of taking care of those that are really suffering and ill and sick and dying. It's quite a job. And boy, is there a lot that can happen to the caregiver in caring for someone else. But, you know, one of the things that I looked at, and uh, I I hope I don't get caught up in, we. I have a, one of our manuals in front of us. I'm in love with it again. <laughs> and I almost don't want to let go of it. And I'm, and I'm saying, this wouldn't work on the air to just read this off because it's, and I got to let go of it. But I want to tell you what I what we said today. A caregiver is any person who cares about someone in harm's way and is therefore susceptible to secondary traumatic stress, compassion, compassion fatigue, and burnout. And we're going to talk about those today. Those, there's some things there that need to be defined. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about those. Uh, because we're, there are ways, in other words, there's stages of... of uh, stress that we all go through there's the normal stresses of life and then there's the stresses that caregivers go through um, that just go with the territory but in the, the normal stresses caregivers are taking care of themselves they know how to do it they put their methods in place and they're they're doing a pretty fair job in the stress they're managing uh coping handling the situation and it, it, it it's stressful but not past stressful. that's right okay what you're describing is this is stressful but not beyond that's right point. yeah now they, that yeah then yes if they don't stay with it mm-hmm. and even if you do stay with it on, the, on an ongoing basis the next step can come in it's called compassion fatigue there is no caregiver alive that doesn't experience compassion fatigue. And what is it? It's you're giving all the time. And you're picking up. You're actually picking up. Did he say it's not, we're already going to our first yes, break? Yes, yes, Okay. Did. Okay, don't listen to that right this second. But anyway, it's you're actually picking up the energies of the person that you're helping. Uh, you're, going, you're giving so much of yourself. Yes. And you're relating empathetically with the people you're caring for. Mm-hmm. 
you get tired, you get exhausted, emotionally depleted, and then you get physically tired. Now, we're not talking about the worst, which is burnout. We're talking about something that goes with the territory. Fatigue. Compassion, Compassion fatigue. fatigue. It's a very good term. Once you know what we're talking about, it's a very descriptive term. Okay, and one of the things that begins to happen is you begin to care, you begin to get so overwhelmingly concerned about the person you're caring for that you forget. You begin to forget Start about taking to neglect care of yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or you think, uh, I can't do that right now. Uh, this is this other thing has to be taken care of. There's lots of reasons you can think. And of they're for good it. reasons. So our word that we used in the manual is insufficient. Because you begin to insufficient use of the self-care methods that you know of. Yeah. So it's not burnout, but it's something to be aware of that can lead to trouble. Um, but everybody goes through compassion fatigue. That's a, that's a caregiver. Right. No, nobody gets away with the it. The key is once you're there to become aware of it, come back out of it. That's right. Because if you don't come back out of it, you're going to go, you could potentially go into burnout. And burnout. then we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about what to pay attention to when the red flags are going up and you begin to slide from normal stress of the situation, emotional fatigue, to ultimate burnout. There are many red flags that we can pay attention to know that that could happen and how to prevent it. Mm -hmm. And we've mentioned it in other broadcasts, but I'll be honest with you, today it's, we got a lot of specifics to pay attention to. But what is burnout? I'll tell you what it is. It means you've given up self-care. It's not happening. It's not happening. And the outcome of that one is very poor. It's poor for the person you're caring for, and it's especially poor for you, too. So burnout is you're done. You're done. You're done. You don't care anymore. You don't care. You're resentful. You're angry. You don't like your work. You don't like the people you're working for. You're bitter. Mm -hmm. uh, You're dissatisfied. Your personal life, uh, your own personal relationships are deteriorating. Uh, You're angry, bitter, and you're shot. (laughs) You're done. But there's ways to prevent that. There really are. Absolutely. And um, I remember, uh, as we're talking, though, that we were brought into the VA system at that time uh, when I think everybody we helped was 60 people. They were all burned out. They were close. And we were brought in to turn that around. I think we did a pretty fair job in a year's time of turning them around. Not everybody, but most. The people who wanted to take in what we had to offer really benefited from And there from were it. a lot. Right. There were a lot. Not everybody, but a lot did. So it can be turned around yes. if you wanted to. Yes. Uh, there are others I, that were so bitter and uh, angry with the VA system, angry about their lives and whatnot that I don't know if we reached them or not. No. But I remember others I didn't think we reached that were very angry. Remember, we were dealing with warriors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they did turn around. They've they turned did. out to be very grateful to us and for they, the ability for them to turn this thing around, rebuild their lives, rebuild their work. I remember many of those over a year period of time, too. I do, too. too. It was very gratifying work. It was. Yeah. And some of them were pretty pretty angry in the beginning. They were furious, actually. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and see, we found they had some pretty good reasons. How would you like to stand in front of 60 furious, burned-out uh, people who were uh, military combat people. You wouldn't like it. It was not fun. It wasn't fun. No, I no. think Jenny ran out of the room. I, I was trying she to hide sk- under a table. She did. She I did. almost did. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll be back. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. 
welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and I'm just going to throw in, because we didn't do it, that the title of this episode is The Importance of Self-Awareness for Caregivers. And in our first segment, we talked about uh, the aspect of being a caregiver, um, being someone who cares for someone in harm's way. And the... Um, they're susceptible to uh, stress, compassion fatigue, or burnout. And we talked a little bit about those different scenarios of, of stress, compassion fatigue, and burnout. And I think we want to return to some of that now. We do. I think that one of the things I want to talk about um, is the what does it take really to be a good caregiver. Uh, and one of the things is to be aware of boundaries and a balance the balance between yourself and the person you're taking care of. That's key. That's I just want to slow you down just for a moment. Mm -hmm. Boundaries, and these are, there's, we've talked in the past in episodes about what a strong boundary is and what we mean, but we're going to use it again today, and this is, this is really important. Absolutely. And so we talked about the different stages of uh, a care, what caregiving go through. We talked the normal stresses of it, which are plenty. Mm -hmm. We talked about compassion, fatigue, and burnout. Let's talk about just quickly, what um, the boundary issue and the balance issue would look like in those situations. In stress, it's for a caregiver, they can maintain the balance between themselves and the, the care receiver's needs. They really have that clear, and they can do that under stress. It's when they go to compassion fatigue that what happens is the caregiver becomes more consumed with the care receiver or the care recipient mm -hmm. needs than their own. It's like a seesaw. You know, if you're out of balance, someone else is getting more attention than the other. And that's what begins to happen. Yeah. And they forget about themselves and the boundaries, and they become more and more consumed about the needs of those who are taking care of. Yeah. Easy to happen. It will happen. Occasionally, you just, it, it's, it, then, then are you going to get back in balance? That's but what we'll talk about. We'll talk about that. But that's what begins to happen, and it's, it's a uh, liability of this kind of relationship. And during burnout, uh, <laughs> You can't find yourself needs. You can't find self-care anymore. You become completely dysfunctional mm -hmm. to yourself and to your care recipient. There, no one's needs are being met. No. Yeah. And that's when you've you've really lost your capabilities to nurture and nourish and care lovingly for the person that's so dependent upon you. Yeah. That's trouble. Um, what are some of the things that you can do, though, uh, you know, we talk about some of the needs that caregivers have, the, the physical needs, the mental needs, the social needs, the spiritual needs. We've talked about that before, too. Yeah. And there are, did you, I'm looking at you. Did you I'm just to? thinking that, that this is, we've talked about this some and the importance of, of looking at every aspect of someone. There are, you know, you go on the Internet and you look up self-care ideas. And you can find lots and lots of things listed, but they don't always cover every aspect of a person. Their physical needs, you see a lot of self-care things listed. But we're talking about not just physical, but as you said, mental, emotional or social, and spiritual. Um, I think when I'm working with some of the caregivers um, where we are, they tend to always go to, they might always go to the easy one like they might go to the physical. 
And what they are, the area that they're not looking at is the one that really needs some attention. Is Am I making sense? Not yet. Okay. Well, uh, yes, you're talking about par- partly, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, but I think there's a bigger picture here. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about what makes a caregiver different from other people. And there is a difference. They're usually empaths. They're empathetic people. Yeah. They have a deeper sense of compassion, and they have a desire and motivation to help others. Um, usually, the caregivers I've known, they have a wounded past. They have wounds and pain from their own lives, and they're, they have their own vulnerabilities. And out of that comes a, a desire and need to help others that have been victimized and hurt. Right. Uh, sometimes you can forget about your own vulnerabilities too much and your own wounds. And what happens is later on they raise their ugly head in this kind of work. Um, but caregivers are imperfect people. You don't get that kind of depth of compassion and empathy and understanding if you haven't been through a lot yourself. And that means you've been wounded and scarred yourself. You've mm-hmm. been through a lot yourself. Yeah. So that can be a strength, but it can become a liability. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm looking at, forgive me, people. I'm looking at my manual again. I'm seeing some good stuff here. Um, but when uh, I'm reading, it says symptoms of caregivers who are getting exposed to emotional stressors. That means all of us. And one of those symptoms is they're in, you're under a lot of distress. There's a lot of tension. And there is a preoccupation with suffering of your of your client, of your loved one. And there is another thing we're going to go to called emotional toxicity. And that's very, very important because that's where real trouble starts. And this is a relationship and a situation that can definitely lead to emotional toxicity. And uh, we'll talk about what that is in a minute. Uh, But there's certain things that um, when caregivers are exposed to the emotional stressors of helping others that happen. But when there are, but there's characteristics that, and this is true, when you're under the normal stresses of it, you really love your job. Uh, yes, you do. And you love the people you're helping. Yes. Right? And when you're tired, it doesn't take that much to get recovered. I mean, it's a good night of rest or a weekend off and you're ready to go again. Yeah. So that kind of thing, that's normal and that's okay. When compassion fatigue hits you, though, you don't, you're not that resilient anymore. And what you begin to have is lingering dissatisfaction with certain aspects of your job. You still like and love the people you work with, mm-hmm. but when you're tired, you can't recover as quickly as you normally do. No. It may take a week or two instead of a night or two of rest. Yeah. This has happened to all of us. I know it has. That was so typical, too, of many of the people in the VA. They cared deeply for the people serving our country and for their clients and patients. That was almost never in question. It was just that the job, the situation was such a burden on them. It was overwhelming. And the bureaucracy of the VA at the time was just, we found that to be a huge distressing issue. Um, And they were... (laughs) <laughs> they were burned out. I think a lot of them were burned out. What did that mean? Well, they didn't like their job anymore. How they many of them like wanted to quit? Yeah, they did. Um, 
They didn't even like the well. I wouldn't say they didn't like the people they didn't that were helping. That were the, helping the the veterans. They didn't like the people they worked for. They didn't, but they were overwhelmed by the needs of the veterans. And they were that. yes, yes. And they were exhausted. Yeah. And what happened was, they couldn't recover anymore, even with the time off. They were shot. They yeah. were exhausted. Yeah. So those are some of the qual- things that can happen, mm-hmm. and they do happen. Yeah. Our job, I really believe, my commitment is to prevent burnout. This is not an easy thing to do no. when you're under so much distress and the nature of the situation is so painful and you love and care for the person you're taking care of and you want to respond to their needs and you want to be there for them and you realize how dependent they are. And the other part you realize is, hey, this is a fellow human being. You could be the you could be there eventually. Yes, how many absolutely. people have said that to me? Yeah. It's them now, but it could be it's probably gonna be me later eventually. And it's it's frightening. It's scary to see that deterioration yes. and helplessness. To face our own uh, potential disability, our own mortality. And it's oh, it's it's tough. It is. It's tough, and it goes. It can go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that we pay attention to. Uh, but uh, there are things that you can do. Uh, for self-care, mm-hmm. for caregiving. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I realize is, is you got to get a lot, of, you need sufficient rest. You need to make sure you get enough rest. Um, and do exercise. I'm a big exercise buff anyway. But exercise is important. Eating well. Um, finding a way to relax. Um, also getting physical release of the buildup of the emotions that you begin to carry. We've talked about that some, and we see that as being kind of the missing piece in so much of what's out there. And it is. It happens to be our specialty. Yeah. Always has been. And that is, we don't say this is the whole answer, but we do have the abilities, the techniques, and the training to help people discharge the buildup of emotionality and uh, pain that they've taken on Mm -hmm. from the others that they're taking care of, or that they've been triggered and some of their own vulnerabilities are showing and what comes up, their own wounds and pain right. and the energy that goes with that. There's a couple of ways to deal with that. Um, there's a couple of ways people do try to deal with it that I don't think are really good. Um, one is they try to tough it out. They have a resolve to, I can handle this. Yeah. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm self-sufficient. And I can make it happen. That is trouble. Yeah. I suffer from it myself, a big dose of that trouble. Yeah. Um, I, I, can, I go there too. I want to think that I can do it all. Yeah. Well, guess what, folks? You're talking to a tough guy. You're talking to a woman who's got brilliance. She's strong. She's healthy. She's beautiful. And she's right at my side working right with me. She hasn't been doing it for 49 years, but she's hanging in <laughs> yeah. there. Okay. We have watched more people who work with us trainers fall away because they can't seem to get through the buildup of pain and emotion and the toll that it takes. I understand it. We've seen others get sick, really sick. We saw a couple of people, nervous breakdowns from it, uh, workers, uh, therapists. We know it's tough, but we also know there's a way to deal with it, that it doesn't have to have that uh, long-lasting effect. Mm -hmm. I am committed to making sure that doesn't happen. That's how you've survived and thrived in this profession. Absolutely. Because you've been committed to that, to keep keep you ready to do what you want to do in your heart. 
That's um, right. Well, I'm also com committed to self-awareness and self-correction. Um, when I see these things, I'm so familiar with the buildup, number one, of my propensities, my who I am, where my wounds are, where my scars are, where my pain is, what it feels like in my body, that I am committed to, f to finding the ways, and I know a lot of the ways, to discharge it and get rid of that. So I don't let it begin to affect my health. So I don't contaminate my uh, the work that I'm doing to help someone that is in need. I've been absolutely, it's been a, a professional lifetime commitment. More so today than ever before. Actually, it's never been more difficult than it is today because of the personal uh, experiences I'm having with my wife and now my mother. Um, and I'm surrounded by wonderful, loving people, but we all carry a lot of pain because we care about each other and this is a tough business and we're helping a lot of other caregivers so we're seeing it let's uh, let's return to that let's yeah. return to the to the self-awareness and the buildup of pain but first you've been listening to the survivor's guide to life on kpca petaluma 103.3 fm we'll be back after a short break Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And in our last segment, we were talking about the need uh, for caregivers to uh, maintain a balance and some, and some good boundaries in their work. We talked about uh, that the many caregivers are empaths who bring their own history and some of their own wounds to the work that they do, which can be a strength but also a liability. Uh, we talked about how difficult it can become to uh, recover uh, when you're depleted as a caregiver and how important that is. And then we started to talk about some types of self-care that are important, particularly uh, a physical developing an awareness uh, of the physical side of taking on uh, the, the pain and the burden of caring for someone. That's right. And that could be any, any helping profession does that. Um, but we do have to be aware that we can take on the energies of others that aren't well or, 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 or distressed. Um, we have to know that that goes with the territory. But sometimes it's easy to overlook it when you're in the midst of the battle and helping them. The other part of it is, well, how do you tell the difference between my attention and theirs? How yeah. do you tell my, my pain from their pain? Yeah. Well, you got to know yourself. You've got to know where your vulnerabilities are, where your woundedness is. You've got to know what it feels like in your own body um, of who you are. You're talking about specific things. Absolutely. Right. You've got to know what does sadness feel like in your body. In my body, yes. What does anger feel like? What does grief feel like? What does fear feel like? I have a feeling that not a lot of people can be real specific about that, and it's important. It is. And that we're going to go over the specifics of that in a minute. But I want to make sure, I want you to be clear. You've got to know what your patterns are, where you are, and who you are. You don't have to be cured, but you've got to know where you are and uh, uh, what you feel at all times. You really need to know that. Yes. Or it begins to take on a destructive life if it's on a If you don't. start to pretend or deny or bury stuff, yes, it yes. will come out to bite you later. And the people you want to and take care of. And the people you love. Absolutely. That's right. So we want to pay attention to that. And uh, uh, 
so we're talking about the energy. We're talking about the emotions. We're talking about the pain. We're talking about knowing ourselves and how we can differentiate um, our pain from those that of the pain and the energies of those we're taking care of. Then you've got to do something about it. Our specialty is how do we people how do we help people recover from that trauma? How do we help them restore themselves? We're excuse me, but I'm not going to excuse you. We're experts at it, mm-hmm. and we know what we're doing. We've written a book about it. We've done papers, and why? Because we know what an incredible help it can be. That doesn't mean it's the whole story, but it's a it, it's a big chunk. And again, I just want to say this is not theory. This is not theoretical. This is what you have lived, what we have lived during this career, during this time. Absolutely. And so do all our staff, all our caregivers, all our teams do. We want to encourage others to learn about this and to start looking at ways that they can get help with this because you've got to be able to reach out. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Otherwise, it begins to lead to a, a, an emotional and physical toxicity in your body. And guess what happens? You become ill. And what's the percentage of caregivers that pass away Those before the people they're taking care of? Devastating statistics. It's almost 65%. I don't know the exact. It's close. Yeah. That's a pretty darn high statistic. And yet I'm telling you I, what it would take, what it takes to diffuse that toxicity so you don't get sick, so you don't deteriorate. And it's a challenge. It's an ongoing process. It's not an absolute. But once you get this down... It becomes part of your life. And when you're a caregiver, it's essential. For other people, they they might want to slide by. I wouldn't be one of them. But as a caregiver, you don't have that room to slide by. No, you don't. No. You've Not got if you to, want to survive. You've got to take care of yourselves. And also, you're going to grow and heal from this. You're going to heal yourself. You're going to become a much deeper, more... Um, just a, a person who can give more, who can do more. And be more fulfilled. And be more fulfilled. And it's an astounding experience. I want to share this with you on a personal level. Every day and every night, we care for people. We help caregivers. And I, in the other room, we have caregivers. My wife is at my side, not at my side anymore, but she's sick. She's in another room. And I want to tell you something. It's an ongoing challenge that I look at that and I go that I can stay this fulfilled and this grounded and this filled with love and compassion and understanding and resilience astounds me. And yet I have so many of the tools that help me. And I also have a trust and a faith that goes deep inside that carries me. But I'm telling you, I'm amazed because I have gone so far beyond what I think my capacities are. I know my limitations being a aware person, uh, dealing with myself and knowing so much about myself, I am so far beyond myself, and yet I have never been more resilient. I have never been more able to love by giving and knowing I'm not going to get much back. But what I do get back is a certain fulfillment that keeps me going every day. And it actually makes me better with everyone, including myself. So... I look at that and go, hey, if you can be resilient under these conditions and grow and heal and become a better person, I'm blessed. And so are the people around me blessed. Yes. And so are our care recipients, our, yes. those that we love. And I feel that way with my wife. I adore her and love her more now 
in ways that I never knew I could be capable of before. I've always loved her. For almost we'll be together for 40, almost 46 years, but honestly, I've always loved her. But this is different, and I, I'm not saying I don't cry. I'm not saying. In fact, I do get my emotional That's, and energetic releases. That is an important thing. And I make sure of it every every self-care. week. Self care. Absolutely. Yeah. And so does every person on our team. We do. Because it's that important, and yet, and I can go and share my heartfelt love with my wife. And come out of it feeling sad, grieving, and filled with deep love and fulfillment, no and appreciation mm-hmm. for her. So I'm far beyond myself, and yet here I am, more resilient, not burned out. Actually, the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that we're going to talk. We're, we're talking about, but you know what? Some what you know, we talk about recognizing some of these things within ourselves. What do they feel like? Yeah, we were going to give some examples of yeah. how do we, how can someone who's listening today, uh, and they're not, you know, totally haven't really thought about this. What does my body feel like when I'm tired? Well, yeah, but what about when I'm scared or when I'm angry? What does my body feel like? Well, the first part of it is you got to be willing to feel. Yeah, you got to be willing. It's so important for you to feel what you're going through, what's, what you're happening, and then we'll get to those things. If you don't, there's so many negative consequences, and we've seen it with our team members mm-hmm. at times that they stuff their feelings too much, and then they have negative consequences. Yeah. They start to get out of control. They begin to manifest in very negative, undermining ways. Mm-hmm. We can correct it because we monitor ourselves and monitor our team so carefully. It can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to the point where any of our people that we've worked at go to the point of avoidance to such a degree that they self-medicate and start using drugs and alcohol. I have to say, my long past, and I mean long ago, drugs, not alcohol, was a big part of my life. That's, God, that's 46 years ago. But it was for a long time. We've seen more caregivers, Mm -hmm. including first responders, the thing that they turn to is alcohol, alcohol and drugs and, and self-medication. Drugs. Yeah. We see so many people in the medical profession, they're self-medicating all the time because it's available to them. And yet they're not dealing with what's going on within them. They're, they're masking it and running mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend that at all, by the way. But let me let me talk to you. What does fear feel like in the body? Yes. What, what let's does, talk about let's have, Do we have some examples for that? I do. And it's in our manual. <laughs> so forgive me. It was a leading question. Yeah, I love this manual. You people should buy this. This is a great manual. <laughs> but anyway, what does fear feel like? What are the physical sensations? I'm going to talk about physical sensations, then the thoughts that are start emerging, and the behaviors. Yeah, so let me just say those were three things that we, we did want to say were important. Thoughts, your body sensations, and your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to start, though, with the body sensations. That's and where those we're are the physical, those are the components of emotion. And right. I do believe uh, there's a guy named Matthew Tull. He wrote an article, yeah. Wrote an article. Right. Very good. Yeah. And he, uh, he wrote about this. Yeah. So, he, But let's talk about it. We've alluded to this before, but what is fear like? Let's talk on What's the physical. What does it feel level. like in the body? Right. You begin to experience a racing heart. And we've seen this with people who especially have panicked. They get begin to develop tunnel vision, shortness of breath. Their thoughts begin to go race, and they feel that they're in danger. They believe something terrible is going to happen at any time. And their behavior is they want to run and get out of the situation, or they freeze, or they just, they just deteriorate yeah. into a high level of emotionalism. 
Right. That's that's what fear is like. And we've talked about the, the fight or flight mm-hmm. and the freeze. Well, this is it. This is the flight or freeze. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. the components are you got the physical, you got the thoughts. Mm-hmm. And people who have PTS, by the way, are always anticipating something bad is going to happen. That's how frightened. There's a big component of fear yes. with post-traumatic stress. Yes. Um, they always believe there's something terrible is going to happen. Another word we've used for this is catastrophizing. Yes, catastrophizing. What do you say? Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. Forgive us. Yeah. A big word. Okay. What does sadness feel like? What are the physical sensations? Very low energy, slower heart rate, and a queasy feeling in the gut. I've heard Jenny say that a number of times about her gut. She, oh, yeah. That's where I feel it. And this is very individual. I mean, I don't get that. Jenny does mm-hmm. when she feels sad. Yeah. And uh, what begins to happen with your thinking? Hopelessness. Despair. Despair and hopelessness. Yes. My situation is never going to change. I'm all alone in this. Yep. And the behaviors are you begin to isolate yourself and you don't seek out help and you just begin to get overwhelmed with your emotionalism. Yeah. That can happen, all right. And that's really a devastating thing once you start going to despair and discouragement and hopelessness. That's a spiral down that is very can be very hard to break. Yeah, but we really do turn people around we on do. that, and we encourage them to. How about anger? My favorite. Yes. Oh, well, this is Peter here. Yeah, this is, this is Peter. If I'm sadness and fear, you're anger. Yeah. Yep. Not that I blow up at people. I don't no. anymore. And Jenny will attest to this, except no. if we have a violent client. Sometimes you have to let them know it's yeah. there. And then all of a sudden I become the body, the body, uh, the protector of all our staff. Yeah. And the therapeutics are thrown out the window. And, and Jenny says, I never saw your eyes turn so yes. different than what we know. Where'd that kind of cold, mean, harshness come from? Yeah. And it was the way I was brought up. It's from there. the streets, right? It's there from the streets. Yeah. And it's there. Yeah. But I don't live in that place, believe me. Nope. But what does it feel like? Your heart starts racing. Your muscles get tense. Your jaw gets clenched. Oh, yeah. And we start armoring up. And yeah. armoring, we call it. You, your chest. You've talked about tight your chest, chest blowing up. Yes. Yes. Tight muscles, tight jaw. Yeah. And uh, ready for aggression. Yeah. That's the behavior. Ready for a fight. Um, the thoughts are, life's so unfair and everyone is out to get me. That's the... That's the. I actually think that's a lo- along the lines of paranoia. <laughs> uh, it does sound a little more like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And uh, but the physical sensations are very intense and yes. ready for a fight. Not too much when you're angry. No, I don't it's think not the that, flight or freeze. That's not flight it's or the freeze. fight. It's the fight. Yes, I think and so too. That can be turned into something good because here we are developing, talking about how to develop resiliency and well, not assert- run away. Assertiveness is a positive. It's a We're positive about, form of anger. Yeah, what you're talking about is is when it, things get out of control and unhealthy and get very emotional. And very emotional. But the truth of the matter is, these things can be turned into something very good and very positive, and we work on that With all the time. Awareness. With awareness and also diffusing the energy buildups and the emotional buildups. Staying on top of that. Very important. Absolutely. And then you can morph and transpose this into a much more positive. Into strengths and tools. Absolutely. And we've seen more people do that. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Just before our break, we got real specific about the sensations. Uh, uh, what what can we grab hold of uh, in terms of physical sensations in our bodies to be able to be aware of our emotions, of what we're carrying around with us, what our burden of emotion might be so that we can take care of it and release it and not have it become what you called toxic. Yep. And so that means being aware of triggers. How much more time do we have today? We have about, oh, 12 minutes. We do. 10 minutes, maybe. Okay. Because I saw, I, I, we talked earlier, and I didn't know if we were going to get to it in the show, about giving our listeners some kind of exercise to do so they can actually apply some of the things we're talking about and develop. I think we have the time to do it today. Okay. And I think, what do you think? You think we should go to it? Sure. Sure, we can get, we can do that. I think we have about, we've got about nine minutes, I think it is. Well, we can do it. We're going to give it to you, and then you can get in touch with us and let us know how you did with it. Certainly. So I'm going to lay out, just checking with my boss over there, make sure she didn't have other things she wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, no. There. No, I didn't have anything else. Okay. Let's do it. So, uh... So what we've seen here is all of us experience our emotions, uh, not only as thoughts and moods, but also physical sensations or the felt sense. We've talked about that before, that felt sense. We have, yes. Um, who was that? Gil, uh, oh. Eugene Gendling. Yes. Who wrote a book called The Felt Sense. Yeah. And now that has to do with what we're talking about today, being Awareness aware. of body sensations. Yep. And yes. they call it somatic uh, somatic kinds of psychology today they do experience they talk about the emphasis on the body and physical sensations leading to uh, releasing unconscious patterns of uh, that have been held in the body for a long time that's what comes out by the way with triggerings mm-hmm. is old unconscious patterns right um, old experiences that were shut pushed down now here's see here's something very valuable from your professional past mm. you don't want to leave this behind I don't I probably would have, but I won't. Okay, one of the things we're talking about is uh, uh, armoring. We're talking about the unconscious. We're talking about what happens to people when they've gone through trauma or crisis, developmental trauma growing up or shock traumas, and what does it do to the body? It throws it into distortions. If it's for, they're young, it's, they call it developmental trauma, where your actual development Natural development becomes distorted in your nervous system, in your physicality, in your reactions. Um, but what caused it doesn't stay conscious anymore, particularly if it comes through an overwhelming crisis or trauma over a long period of time, if it's abuse, abandonment, other things. Um, so it gets shut, it gets pushed down into the unconscious. Mm-hmm. That begins to manifest itself in the body. In some sensations. That's right. And your body begins to develop self-protective mechanisms in the musculature, in the fascia. That's the tissue that makes up the musculature. Um, And that holds memory. Mm -hmm. It's imprints, we call it. And that goes back a long way. Honestly, you all you may feel is the physical pain or the tightness in your chest or the tightness in your throat or many other things because there's there's uh, bands or layers of these things that, that that begin to take place in your body. But it's what's behind them yes. that keeps those things locked in place, the and, imprints. And the sensations are an opportunity to be able to get to these old emotional 
pain and and difficulties and hardships and and trauma that's been experienced and work them through and the beauty of being a helper is that you finally can begin to unmask these things even though it's painful mm-hmm. and begin to heal yes and to purge them yes and it's an incredible commitment and i am so grateful to this day that i learned about that and i've continued to but very committed to it because I realized it changed my life for the better. Um, so anyway, yeah, so it's very gonna... important to be aware of that because there's where the triggerings occur. Yes. And that's what begins to happen. So you may feel physical pain. You may not even be consciously aware of the emotions and where they're coming from, but they're there. Well, what we're talking about is purging it and becoming aware of it and healing those old experiences that have locked into your body and distorted it mm-hmm. i consider it a great gift and a relief so we do believe that today and it's not just the world of psychotherapy anymore it's the world of healing and recovery from trauma that's where we've gone with it yeah but let me let's go through this exercise we're going to leave it with you and here's step number one okay. listeners mm-hmm. i want you to select a triggering situation and i want to process it okay so here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list of events that will trigger fear, sadness, or anger for you. Select one of the less challenging ones to focus on to begin with, okay? Then step two, I want you to center yourself in, in the present with slow, deep breaths. Here's, it's, there's a reason for this, okay? We're not talking about yoga meditation right now only, but we are talking about there's a reason for this. Once you've selected a trigger that you want to reflect on and become aware of. And the trigger is an upsetting thing that happens in your life. Exactly. Something that happens and you get upset. Okay. So before you get into it, I want you to pause for a moment. And I want you to go very slowly. And I want you to start breathing very slowly from your belly. To a, from the, for a count of three to five inhales and a three to five exhales. Okay? And allow yourself to begin to relax. There's a reason for this. And I want you to focus on your breath. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to begin to scan your entire body from the top of your head to the tip of your toes, noticing and releasing any tension or tightness that exists in your body. Now, this takes a little time. It does. But it really works, by the way. It's a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Because you become aware of where the tension points are. Mm-hmm. And then you focus on beginning to Breathe into them and relax yourself. It really does help. This isn't the answer, so don't worry about it. I don't believe this is the complete answer to anything. But in this exercise, this is going to be important. Yes. Okay. So after you feel relaxed, step three, and centered in your breathing, I want you to bring the selected trigger that you've come to. Bring it to mind. And I want you to, if it's possible, perhaps recalling it, it's most recent time that it's occurred, mm-hmm. the triggering. Without judging. Don't give yourself a hard no time. That, no criticism. That. that will get in the way. Don't do that. I want you to pause and become aware of the physical sensations that begin to happen. Your felt sense. Mm-hmm. As you take slow, deep breaths, ask yourself, what am I sensing in my body right now? Now, this is in contrast to the relaxed state that we brought yourself into, mm-hmm. these triggerings aren't going to keep you in the relaxed state, okay? No. Maybe your heart's going to start beating faster. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe something's 
going to start hurting in your body. Maybe you're going to, there's going to be pressure behind your eyes. Any number of things could happen. Maybe you get a queasy gut. Yeah. Maybe you get tight in your rib cage. Whatever it may be, yeah. just be aware of the physical just sensations that are connected with the trigger. Notice those things that are associated with the triggering that you are now. Yes. Now, that is now at the forefront of your thoughts. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I want you to notice this. I want you to feel and notice the location of any sensations in your body. For each emotion, I want you to explore the sensations in your body you feel when you picture the triggering event. Let me read that again. For each emotion, I want you to explore the physical sensations in your body that you feel when you're picturing and thinking about the triggering event. Okay? Mm-hmm. I want you to observe the location of these physical sensations. Then I want you to breathe deeply into the sensations and continue to connect, noticing that the sensations may increase or possibly decrease in intensity. Then I want you to write it down. Take a, have a, keep a piece of paper with you or write afterwards. Note down any of the particular physical sensations that accompany each triggering emotion that you see. This is the exercise that's going to begin to help you recognize what we've been talking about today. You need to begin to understand your biology, the physical sensations that go with these emotional states, that you understand that these triggerings primarily are from your past, from your wounds, from your scars and experiences. And when you do that, this is the first part of it. This is who you are. It's your vulnerabilities. Because when you know those, that's going to help you become acutely aware when you begin to take on your care recipient. When you begin to take on their energy, it's going to be different than yours. And you're going to begin to recognize this isn't, I know what mine feels like. Mm -hmm. This is different. Instead of feeling really, let's say you're an angry person, and you know what it feels like to be energized, okay, and intensified, your heart beats and all of that stuff, and instead you're feeling despair, and you're feeling hopeless, and you're feeling discouraged, and you're feeling low energy, and you know, is that you? Or is that the person you're helping who's dealing with life and death and dealing with their sickness and dealing with the battle for their life and their health. Mm-hmm. And then you'll begin to understand which energies are whose, yours or your care receivers. Um, that's the beginning. But this is a process that you will go through for the rest of your career, the rest of your life, in taking care of others. And it's so valuable because it's going to help you heal. It's going to help you grow. And it's going to allow you to be flourish in the face of adversity. So you become a nurturer and a nourisher and n- learn how to, to continue to love and care for those who are in need. This is a key to keeping you going, to keeping you resilient. So we're going to talk about this a lot more because our commitment, our passion is for caregivers. You're listening, you're talking to somebody, you're hearing someone talk today who is a caregiver to people, but we're also professionals. And I'll be honest with you, being human and sharing our human experience uh, is most important. 
and we want to make sure that our professional life doesn't become a barrier or isolate us from who what you're going through but we want to share those experiences and training uh, and knowledge so you too can benefit all right so i think that's good for today any of you that have something to share with us please get in touch with us um jenny will go through that in a minute but we want to hear from you we want to know how this is going and we want to know that we're reaching people caregivers especially for your for loved ones and others that have taken it on as a profession let us know and uh, we send our love to you and our best wishes and our blessings to you Yes, please do get in touch with any feedback or questions that you have for us. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, and the Survivor's Guide to Life is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, uh, a nonprofit website, sctraumatreatment.org. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Dr. Bernstein, please please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com or you can look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. 